When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat, and we are two weeks away from where we're sitting right now to the opening of the 2023-24 NHL season. Penguins hosting the Blackhawks on that day, but today it'll be Penguins visiting the Detroit Red Wings in the preseason. We'll get to all of that and more on this episode. But Horwat, before we talk about any of that, you were there first weekend of training camp. First thing that stands out to mind when I say best player on the ice. <laughs> Who do you think that so, was? Aside from the obvious answers of guys like Sidney Crosby, guys like Evgeny mm-hmm. uh, Malkin, Eric Carlson standing out as just a, a fantastic addition, a great new piece. Um, I would just have to assume maybe Braden Yeager looks really good. Uh, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm probably not going to give you the answer best of who looks the best on the ice. Yeah. Uh, but I can fair. tell you who's been standing out. And like I said, uh, Yeager standing out as, you know, just being drafted. We're not going to see him for a little bit, but um, he's a joy to watch already. Uh, aside from that, Sam Poulin looks very much improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm really liking what I'm seeing, and we'll talk about it later, probably. Uh, Vinny Henestrosa looks really impressive as well. Yeah. Yeah, so keep your eyes on those three. There's a good chance that you'll see you know, at least two of them yep. at the NHL level at some point this season. Braden Yeager, like you mentioned, might be a little bit further out, but who knows? Maybe that timetable is a little bit faster than a lot of the prospects in the past. Now, you're not going to see him this season. I'm not saying that, but you know, there's a chance that you might see him not in two years, but maybe by the end of next season. We'll see uh, how he progresses once he returns to the WHL's Moose Jaw Warriors. But let's talk a little bit about the roster cuts, because the Penguins, for the first time in camp, announced roster cuts. They went from 58 on their training camp roster down to 47 players. Peter Abandonado was released from his PTO. Andre Ananya, Matthew Soto, Michael Simpson, all assigned to their respective OHL teams, and then six players assigned to Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins camp. That's Matt Philippe, Sam Hood, Dylan Hamiluk, Evan Veerling, Jagger Joshua, and Taylor Gauthier. Any surprise names that you thought the Penguins would have expected to at least have them stay up for another couple of uh, preseason games, considering the Penguins have seven uh, this preseason? Yeah, they, I think they had, I don't, 
not every team plays the same amount of preseason games, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe seven is up there in terms of how many. I don't know how many is uh, the most, but I would. There's no surprises or like legitimate shocks. I would say maybe it, I'm a little, uh, little eyebrow raised that Jagger Joshua got sent down so quickly. I think just I think they liked what they saw in the prospect camp. Uh, I mean that was going to be his destination anyway. Yeah. Um, I just don't think I expected it to be that quickly, uh, but. You know, it is what it is. It's it's where he was going to be, and it just came a little quicker, I guess. No, nothing what really stood out as a surprise. Uh, maybe also Taylor Gautier, just in terms of prospect goalie, trying to get some work here. Uh, other than that, no, nothing really surprised me. People didn't even know Peter Avenato was signed to a PTO, by the way. <laughs> like, that one, genuinely no shock there that he was uh, relieved of that duty. Uh, and also kind of kind of fun that each of those each of those uh, I don't want to say prospects, but each of those uh, uh, junior guys are all from the OHL. Yeah, cool. that's cool. what Quick I was one. looking. I was looking at that. And I was like, um, okay, so I'm just gonna say CHL. And I was like, oh wait, no, they all literally play in the OHL. That makes it easy yeah. for me. I can just say that. But uh, no, that is uh, obviously you know you you talk about Jagger Josh was somebody that made an impact at, at Prospects Challenge. But again, preseason. In particular, at practice, a player that makes his bones with physicality is not really going to get an opportunity to show what he can do, especially in these preseason games where, yes, physicality is important, but nobody's going out there trying to play that style of game just right out of the gate. And if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's a style of game that, hey, listen, he can bring that every night. That's fine. They need to see more from guys like, you know, as we'll talk about, like a Sam and get Braden Yeager another chance. Some of these guys that have a little bit more skill, either they're younger guys that they're, they want to get a look at or or players like, you know, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Vinny Henestrosa, who, who they want to make sure that they see what they have in him before the season starts and they make that decision so uh makes sense that jagger joshua would get sent back to uh wilkes bear that is like you said where he's going to start so those are the names that were cut from the roster for lack of a better term considering some of them were just reassigned or released but uh, the one other piece of news that came out when that came out was uh, mark pesic signed to the penguins on a pto he is on the injured list obviously coming off of an achilles injury that kept him out of play a lot of last season not good uh, for the 30-plus-year-old defenseman who, in the first couple of days, had raised some eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Looked pretty good. Looked <clears throat> very solid. And, you know, we said whenever he was signed, before we even saw him on the ice, um, that he could easily step up and take Chad Ruedel's position in the lineup. Uh, you know, after a year off, you're kind, you know, someone like him is probably hungry to just be in the NHL again. I mean, he's a veteran guy. He's played quite a bit over the last... I forget how many years of his career. Uh, but he's played quite a bit and has been a solid contributor on his teams. Um, you, you know, guy like him wants to get back in the line and wants to reach the NHL again. And this uh, hampers the trajectory of doing that. It doesn't uh, bode well. We don't know what the injury is. We'll see. We'll find mm-hmm. out soon, probably. But um, with any luck and with any hope, it's nothing serious. And he can just pop right back in the next couple days uh, and continue working back toward the NHL spot because he seemed to be lining up to take one. I mean, it's hard. The defense throughout camp has really been filtering, like, with just about everyone. Marcus Patterson said, like, the system that they play, it makes it easy for everyone to play with everyone. Um, So it's 
good that they've had that much filtration. It's hard to really nail down lines. So we, we've been able to nail down probably the top two. Uh, but filling out that third pairing is it's any it's up for grabs for anyone. And uh, Mark Pesic's been making a good little a uh, good little uh, name for himself here. Yeah, you hope it's not anything serious, and you certainly hope it's nothing that is related to that Achilles injury that he suffered. And it's a tough injury to come back from, particularly for a defenseman who has to skate backwards and then pivot to turn a lot of the time. So hopefully Pesic is okay, but that does open the door. Like you mentioned, it opens the door for Chad Ruweedle. It opens the door for a Ty Smith. It opens the door for a Mark Friedman because Pesic, you know, he was he was getting a lot of love. Uh, from a lot of the media members who were watching him, saying that he looked really good. Everybody reminding us that, hey, he played forward, so he does have that offensive style, which meshes well with what Todd Reardon looks for in a defenseman, not to mention the fact that he's a bigger body than any of those other guys, which would have been a nice change of pace to the Penguins' blue line. So um, him going out is unfortunate, especially for a guy that's looking to revitalize his career after injury. You just hope that it's nothing serious. You hope that he can get back onto the ice here in the next two weeks to, to hopefully find a spot on the Penguins roster. If not, you I mean, it's it's not the end of his career, but certainly not uh, not something that you, you wish upon anybody, of course. Um, but it, it's tough to see a guy that came in with a lot of buzz around him. He continued to grow that buzz in the first couple of days, uh, and then out of nowhere, he's on the injured list. So uh, unfortunate for Mark Pesic, but again, opens things up for, for a Ty Smith, for a Chad Ruedel, for a Mark Friedman. It, it makes things very interesting because it, it seemed like Pesic was starting to, to kind of walk away with that position. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's also very well possible that this injury doesn't mean much, and they still sign him and keep him on just to yeah. uh, show that hey, we liked what we saw in the short amount of time. We think we can. They think that they can continue having success with him. We'll see where it all goes. It's um, it's maybe it doesn't hamper his you know trajectory back in. What's uh, depends on how much faith they really had on him uh, from the get go. If they sign him to a contract, you know. Maybe while he's hurt or right after he comes back, that would just go to show us that they wanted to do that from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Think of Zach Astoris with the Leafs last year. When he signed, he signed the PTO before joining that team. But it, the second they signed the PTO, everyone was basically saying he's making the team. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, maybe that's the same situation we have here with Pesic. It's just a matter of um, Kyle Dubas organizing some of the cap constraints and other lineup problems that mm-hmm. you know that this camp is bringing it's I don't know how many times teams bring 58 players to camp it, this seems like quite a bit and Mike Sullivan has said this is the most competitive camp he's ever seen here so mm-hmm. um yeah you got names to figure out sometimes you just got to start with the PTO and have a handshake agreement behind behind the scenes that you're going to get a full deal afterwards yeah so who knows where it stands yeah no I, I agree with you I think that this doesn't doesn't end his chances at making the Penguins this year but it felt like, and I might be wrong because I'm not Kyle Dubas. I don't talk to Kyle Dubas. I, 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 don't, I don't have his phone number. But it felt like we like what this guy has been in his career. We think he can be that again, but we don't want to make the commitment until we see that he can be healthy. Now, mm-hmm. if this is a different injury and it's just a, a bump and a bruise where he's on the injured list because he, he, he got a preseason bump and a bruise, he's training camp, it's competitive, there's physicality. If it's something like that, then yeah, sure, sign him. But if it's something with the with the Achilles, that's where I could see the Penguins being like, okay, like this is why we signed you to a PTO. We, we didn't know if that would hold up, and it doesn't appear to to have held up. But again, we don't know what the injury is. 
Sullivan might speak to the media tonight when the Penguins play the Detroit Red Wings at some point, either before or after the game. Uh, there might be a chance somebody asks him there. Of course, that's out in Detroit. Or tomorrow, the Penguins do have practice at UPMC Complex, so somebody will definitely get an answer by then. So in the next 24 hours, we'll know a little bit more about the Mark Pesic situation. But uh, speaking of that Penguins versus Red Wings preseason game, I did want to talk about that a little bit. Seems as if the top players will wait to make their preseason debuts once again. None of them really played on Sunday in the split squad game. It seems like all of them are going to be uh, staying in Pittsburgh when the rest of the team travels to Detroit. Players like Crosby. Malkin, Raquel, Rust, Eller, Carter, Achari, the entire top four on defense, and goaltender Tristan Jari have yet to make their preseason debuts. Obviously, there's the big game coming up on Monday in Nova Scotia. You would assume at least Sidney Crosby plays in that game, um, but none of these players are playing tonight against the Red Wings. Don't forget about Ryan Graves also, uh, Nova no, Scotia native. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, like I said before, I don't know how many preseason games – each team is playing. I don't know if the Penguins have the most, but set, but seven is a lot and more than normal for, uh, for for the Penguins. So they could just be that they are trying to rest the stars as much as they can, rest the big names as much as they can, um, and keep them as healthy as possible too. Keep them out of risk of this Mark Pesic situation uh, for regular season. I mean, yeah, that's always the risk you run anyway when it comes to the preseason. Uh, but it is important to get some legs under you. Uh, just the stars and the veterans, they don't need this many. Seven is quite a yeah. lot. It's fine to when, also when you have, like I said, when you have this many names coming into camp, it's good to see what um, the guys really fighting and battling for roles on the team can do. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and I don't know. I was entertained by the first two games of seeing yeah. a bunch of names that honestly won't be here, but just keeping close eyes on those guys that are bubble players. And there's there's been a ton of them. There was a ton of them in those in those first two games. Uh, and really, let's be honest, the Penguins kept up. Okay. Yeah, the Blue Jackets are, I'm, I'm sure we're not talking about the the, re, the 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 other preseason games, but that second one, the Blue Jackets iced basically a starting lineup, and the Penguins, no names, kept up pretty well. I yeah. know the Blue Jackets aren't supposed to be good, but that was impressive. Yeah, talking about overtime. I mean, it's a good showing for your organizational depth, and that's something that Kyle Dubas mentioned early on in his tenure in Pittsburgh. He said, I, this isn't just about making the Penguins at the NHL level good. It needs to be organizational success, and that's why he's added a lot of these names to help out in Wilkes-Barre and to make sure that the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins return to being a really good AHL team because they haven't been uh, in several years. Um, so, obviously, a lot of these players are going to have something to do with it. You look at, you know, adding all these guys like a Hinnestroza and a, and a Janssen, while some of them might make the NHL roster, a lot of them might have the opportunity to play at the AHL level, and that's going to make the, the Penguins better up in up in northeastern Pennsylvania. But um, that is another opportunity here tonight for a couple first-rounders. You know, it stinks that we have yet to see Owen Pickering really get a chance uh, in a preseason game. Didn't really play last year, hasn't really played much this year. But you do get to see Sam Poulin and Braden Yeager on the same sheet of ice once again. We saw that in the Prospects Challenge. They were split up on Sunday in the split squad game against Columbus. They will both be taking the ice later this evening against the Detroit Red Wings. I've liked what I've seen from both of them so far. Uh, Braden Yeager looks confident. Looks like he fits in already. I mean, yeah. he's, only, he's only played the Prospect Challenge, and then that was uh, his first... Uh, cut in a real Penguins uniform uh, yeah. for that preseason game. And you know what? He looked right at home at the NHL level already. I mean, again, mm -hmm. it wasn't much of the Blue Jackets. It wasn't even close. It's not like he was playing the game in Columbus where it was 
Johnny Goudreau, Patrick Laine, Adam Fantilli is going to be scary, by the way, um, <laughs> or the return of Zach Wierenski. Yeah, like I said, the Blue Jackets aren't supposed to be good, but those were some good names I listed off there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it look Braden Jaeger looked really good, and Sam Poulin looked pretty dominant too. Not dominant, but looked really good too against those names that I just listed. Mm-hmm. Um, had a good showing. Was we could say in the right place at the right time on his goal uh, yeah. in the closing seconds of the first. I think he was still trying to make a play, but the one or two non-starters. Uh, in, in the Blue Jackets lineup in that game, tipped it right back to him. Um, yeah. But, hey, you know what? Every point counts, and you got to make the right plays, got to make the smart plays. Sam Poulin's been doing that so far. So I'm once again excited to watch Sam Poulin and Braden Yeager share an ice against whoever Detroit decides to throw out today. I don't <laughs> remember if they've uh, announced a roster yet. They have a lot of talented forwards in their prospect pool, too. So it should be a good game. It should be a lot of talent out there on the ice. And with Sam Poulin, the one thing you mentioned is, you know, he plays physical. He's really good in the tight areas. He has NHL strength now. Like, that's not a question. He has the strength to play in the NHL. There is no doubt about it. He's showing that right now. Whether he can put the rest of the game together and impress the coaching staff enough uh, to get more than the three NHL games that he played last season, that remains to be seen. But, you know, if, if I had to bet, I would say he he goes over that three games played this season. He's certainly impressing early in camp. Whether he can keep that consistency up, that's going to be the next question for Sam Poulan. But um, before we head to a quick break, Joel Blomqvist and Alex Nedeljkovic both in net tonight. Uh, obviously, you assume they're going to do the same thing the Penguins did on Sunday where they split the game half and half. It's what they've been doing uh, for a lot of these games. Blomqvist looked good. Nedeljkovic looked really good on Sunday. Uh, anything you're expecting from these two tonight? Much of the same. Uh, Bumpquist looked good in the prospect challenge, looked comfortable in the prospect challenge, and again, looked really good and comfortable in that uh, second half of the preseason game. I Did he know he won the shootout, by the way, when he made that save? He kind of just stood there. <laughs> I know it's preseason and your celebrations are very lax, but he looked like he was ready for the next guy. Um, and <laughs> You know, if that's part of the learning curve, so be it. That's just how locked in he is as well. It was a perfect sh- I mean, yeah, we sit, say what we want about the shootout. It was a perfect shootout from the Penguins from yeah. three key names in terms of Blomquist, Jaeger, and Alex Nylander, who we will get to later. Um, and Nadelkovich, I, I know I said that uh, Magnus Helberg might creep up from behind and maybe steal a backup position. He's not going to anymore. <laughs> uh, he's absolutely not going to anymore. Uh, Mike Sullivan already spoke the praise of Alex Nadelkovich as a backup goalie. So that's not set in stone, but pretty darn close uh, yeah. and he stepped up and looked really good in his uh preseason outing the perfect showing right he stopped all yeah. of them yeah all 18 shots yeah so it's the most you could ask for is a good start in uh in a penguins uniform form yeah hoping obviously to revert to the form that he was back in 2019 when he was with the carolina hurricanes i believe it was the 2019 20 season or 2020 21 whatever he had two seasons in detroit Going to play in Detroit tonight. Going to be an interesting revenge spot for Alex Nedeljkovic. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, some interesting news over the weekend about the Penguins' first power play unit. We'll break that down after the break.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, it was a couple weeks ago that I talked about Chris Letang potentially being in a new role on the Pittsburgh Penguins power play. There were a lot of people that said, okay, he could take over the power play too and be in that same position. And then I discussed what it would look like if he was on that first power play unit. Well, it seems as if that's what the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to attempt to do, at least early on here in the season. According to ESPN's Greg Wyshynski over the weekend, the Penguins are ready to, quote, unleash Chris Letang and Eric Carlson on the top power play unit. Here's the quote from Mike Sullivan to Wyshynski saying, The power play is very important to Eric and Chris. So we'll start with both of them on the top unit, and so we'll see how it goes. We have... A lot of options. Horwat, before we talk a little bit more about it, what are your instant thoughts on the way that Mike Sullivan used the term unleash with these two? Uh, he's expecting great things. That's it that's what that sounds like to me. It's you're going to you're gonna have a power play that's if you know, if all things work out well. Four future Hall of Famers and Jake Gensel who <laughs> Let's be real. Could make a name for himself. <laughs> um, that's that's Montreal. That's 1980s Montreal Canadian stuff. 1970s, whichever decade they were phenomenal in. That's 2022-23 Edmonton Oilers stuff too. It's there's some ridiculous things that could go into this if all goes well. Um, but for what it's worth, right now seeing Crystal Tang and and Crystal Tang, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Eric Carlson, at least those four on your top unit. Um, I know the Penguins and their fans always expect bonkers things from their power play. Hopefully this is the year, finally. They actually get it. Uh, ever since Phil Kessel left, we're still... Exp- Even without Phil Kessel, I think this discussion has been had every year. Mm-hmm. Um, the Penguins have always been looking for that guy to get the power play percentage back up to where it should be in terms of your your icing, Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Bare minimum, those three should get you a fair amount of power play goals. Um just by the namesake and their offensive ability. But it's always struggled. It's always been this discussion of something is holding it back. Don't know what it is. Maybe it's the system that they run that still needs changed. We haven't seen it yet. We don't know if they're still doing drop passes at the red line. We'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. (laughs) That's the part that needs to change big time. Um, If that changes and you're adding Eric Carlson to this unit, uh, I will I don't know if there's such a thing as too many cooks in the kitchen on the power play just because it's that that's the time you're supposed to have everyone you can out there. We'll see how it all goes. I'm in very interested to see how it goes. I know running two defensemen is so-so in terms of your top unit, but let's not look at, in this situation, let's not look at Eric Carlson as a defenseman here. If we can you know, let's say, say the same thing the about forward. Letang, too. You could, but I think in terms of defensive ability, I think Latang's yeah. got Carlson beat. Yeah, um, but so we can at least still label him as the defenseman on this group. Mm-hmm. And I don't know much about schemes. And once you're in the zone and setting up for power play stuff, that's where you can step in. But yeah. for what it's worth, I think you could look at Carlson as an off, as a forward in this situation. Yeah, the Penguins historically, at least over the past couple of seasons with Todd Reardon, have kind of run an umbrella kind of system where it comes to the point which is Chris Letang. I don't expect that to change, although I expect it to be Eric Carlson at the point and it running through him and letting him quarterback the power play. I could see them running the same system because I could see it working with Eric Carlson. The only thing is, if it doesn't, you need to have something ready 
to fit Eric Carlson a little bit more. That's the type of player that you change your scheme for. Like, obviously, you have Crosby, you have Malkin, you have Latang, you have all these guys, but they finished 14th in the NHL last year in the power play. That's not good enough for a power play that has this many talented players. You even talk about Jake Gensel whenever he's healthy. He's a, he's a guy that's perennially 30 goals, usually can get up around the 40 goal mark. Having that in your front or front of the net position, that's that's a lot of talent to finish middle of the pack uh, on the man advantage. Now, where I see Chris Letang going, especially in this early iteration, if they run the same power play system, is in that Phil Kessel spot. And you mentioned it. The Penguins have struggled. They've been volatile on the power play since Phil Kessel left. The one year that they were really good without Phil Kessel was because Jared McCann was in that spot. And Jared McCann scored 11 power play goals that season, a career high for the now 40-goal scorer from the Seattle Kraken. Putting Chris Letang in that spot is going to give you somebody who has the ability to succeed from that position. Not that Raquel couldn't, not that Rust couldn't, and they shared time there last year, but the potency of a guy like Letang, who I think gives you a little bit more when it comes to the ability to be either shot first or pass first, where Raquel... He's a trigger man. Rust, he's a trigger man. They have good vision. They have good passing capabilities, but not to the level of a Chris Letang. So finding those backdoor passes to Sidney Crosby, getting that shot on net through past Jake Gensel, getting the pass down low to Jake Gensel. There's so many options that Chris Letang gives you at a higher level than either a Rust or a Raquel. So if you run that system, the only drawback to me, and this goes into the too many cooks in the kitchen, is Chris Letang ready to just unleash his shot multiple times on a power play? That's always been the point of contention for fans, is Chris Letang does not shoot the puck enough, and he has a great shot, so it's 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 painful. Because you see it succeed when he does shoot the puck, he just doesn't do it enough. Well, now that he's in this position, a position that is shoot first more often than it is pass first, does he acclimate to that? Does he actually become the shoot first option on the left half wall? That is the big question to me. If he does that and becomes more of a sniper from that role in the top power play, there's a chance this power play could get back to top five, top three, like it was during the Phil Kessel years. If he doesn't and he tries to still be that power play quarterback when he's not necessarily the quarterback of the power play with Eric Carlson out there too, that's when I think you can get too many cooks in the kitchen. And then you have Evgeny Malkin, who needs to do a similar thing on the right side. Yeah, <clears throat> I think, it, it, I mean, obviously they're going to work on it. They're going to work on their yeah. schemes for it. They're going to see what fits best and... um. I just think for now it's this is it's the preseason it's time to <laughs> experiment uh, experiment and I think the rest of the quote from Sullivan does say um, something about if it's not working we'll change it I forget what the exact ending of it was mm-hmm. uh, but, but they have that ability to just all right I mean we have they'll they'll experiment with it early preseason early season um, if things aren't working out uh, then. Uh, sorry, I got a text that distracted me. If things aren't working out, they can quickly change it. They'll have a ton of games to, uh, you know, really adjust and make the proper changes, mm-hmm. uh, which is good that they're going to be quick with it if things aren't working. And you know what that does anyway? It makes the second unit ju- like even stronger. I know your um, first unit is the one that should be the bread and butter of the power play, but mm-hmm. don't underestimate whenever the first group isn't doing it like it hasn't been for the last couple seasons. Suddenly, you have a second unit that has now an extra scoring threat as well. So mm-hmm. for a full two minutes, no matter how it's lined up, there's going to be a good threat of uh, offense from the Penguin side of things. 
Yeah, and even with Rust and Raquel not on that top unit, that means they're on the second unit. And if you have a guy like Ty Smith, if he makes the roster, Rust, Raquel, and Ty Smith leading your second power play unit, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, and like Sullivan said in that quote, he has options. Like, there's more options this year. There's even some some weird options that you could go with. You could bump Jake Gensel out into that pumper position. You can, as we've seen, put Sidney Crosby down in the net front. I don't particularly like that, even though Sidney Crosby is great at redirections. Something about him basically being in the way of target practice for Evgeny Malkin's one-timer and Chris Letang's one-timer gets me a little concerned, especially considering how important Sidney Crosby is going to be uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the grand scheme of things this season because of the lack of scoring from the bottom six. But speaking of a bottom six player, Nola Chari, he's not Patrick Hornquist. He's never going to be Patrick Hornquist, but he's a guy that has some pretty good touch, some good hands in front, has some finishing ability, and he's a guy that's tough. Put him in the net front. Let Jake Gensel come out. Get some shots on net. There's things that the Penguins can do uh, to really change up their power play, to really give a different look, where in years past, the only thing they could change was, well, we'll flip Rust and Raquel. Well, uh... That's all we can really do. Uh, last year, that you did see it in the second half of the season a little bit more because Jake Gensel was in that net front and they weren't finding results with him down in that net front, so they did move things around a little bit. They shifted the positioning, and it started to work, but at the end of the day, it didn't work enough. Now that you have a, an Eric Carlson, now that you have a guy like Nolachari that could be really an interesting name to be a net front guy on that top power play with four other, like you said, potentially four Hall of Famers, I would say it's... Three Hall of Famers and one Hall of Very Good, personally. But, you know, potentially four Hall of Famers next to him. If you put Achari out there to be the net front guy, to be the pest, to be the guy that's in the face of the goaltender, it's not a bad option either. Is that the option I'd go with number one? No. Is it number two? No. But it's an option there. And like Mike Sullivan said, when you have these options, when you have this much talent around them, you have a lot of ways that you can try to configure this power play. Yeah, it's <clears throat> there's going to be plenty of options. There's going to be plenty of plenty of um changes i mean if they're experimenting in the preseason you'll see uh how it works <clears throat> and then i expect the first couple games to not i don't want to say sloppy but be still experimental time mm -hmm. and by about a week or two into the season you should see exactly what uh it's gonna be and it should be rolling on all cylinders and at least in the uh form that they want it to be in by then mm -hmm. yeah i mean you look at these guys they're probably working together a lot over the two weeks of training camp, you know, they're probably working a lot in the film room as well to try to get on the same page. But, you know, that's the big thing that uh, Chris Letang said when they were talking to him. I believe it was Josh Yoey talked to him over the offseason about the Eric Carlson situation. He said, as long as we can get in there and get on the same page and, and find success, I don't care. Uh, and that's what the Penguins are going to look to do. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, risers and fallers for the opening week of training camp. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Getting a little stretch over there is Horwat. You can check him out if you see him on, obviously, any day at practices for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's usually sitting up there. But also, if you check us out on YouTube at Inside the Penguins, you get to watch and see us, uh, because it's early in the morning, uh, us try to stretch and, you know, wake up a little bit as we record the podcast. Still pounding coffees every time we're on this podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I still have breakfast sitting here that I'm not finishing and let get cold. It all goes... Very well. 
hey, but that's that's the price we pay to try to get this content out to you guys as early as humanly possible on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Also, uh, if, if you didn't catch it yesterday, make sure you realize that the pet programming note, uh, Penguins to Go is now Iceberg to Go, just a slight title change with new uh, new graphics. So uh, that's, that's really all the difference is. And then also uh, something we're going to try, obviously figuring out some of the kinks, is a post-game podcast, Iceberg Recap. Some of them, if I can, will be live on YouTube after the games. Uh, some of them, most of them probably, will just come out the following morning. It'll just be five to ten minutes, a recap of the game. Uh, just get your fix in before the next game for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But let's discuss risers and fallers through the first weekend of Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. Obviously, 11 players have fallen considering they were either cut or assigned to a different camp, uh, such as that. We're not going to mention any of them. But uh, risers and fallers, let's start with risers, Horwat. Who is on the rise for you after the first couple of days of training camp? I've really liked what I've seen from... I have a handful of names written down here. Uh, we don't have to go into super long detail about some of them, but um, like I mentioned before, I've really liked what I've seen from Vinny Henestrosa. You know, mm. it, it, not that he's going to make the lineup right away, but we weren't <clears throat> fully sure where he would land. And then the first day of camp opened up, and boom, he's on the first line with Sidney Crosby and Brian Rust. Yeah. Um, you know, and this isn't like a Dom Simone situation where it is, why is he playing there? This is a, oh, well, we need someone to put in there while Jake Gensel is injured. And you know what? He's, lo- he's looked really good. Uh, Sid's enjoyed playing with him. Um, Brian Rust has, you know, they've rebuilt a, him and uh, Vinny Anastros have rebuilt a little chemistry from their Notre Dame days, and they seem to be avoiding passing to Sidney Crosby, which is hilarious. Um, yeah. But um, no, in seriousness, though, that line looks pretty solid. I, obviously, we haven't seen it in game action yet, but Henestros has been um, has appeared in the in the first preseason game, and will be playing again tonight in Detroit. Um, he's looked solid. He looks like a great addition to the team. I don't know how much further down he'll drop. I mean, it's still possible he doesn't make the lineup. We don't know yet, but I've just liked mm-hmm. what I've seen from him so far. Um, and I'll have other names once you go with yours. I just wanted to throw all that out there. Yeah, there's been a direct through line, at least for us, since we talked to Josh Getzoff, the Penguins play-by-play announcer for Sportsnet Pittsburgh last Wednesday. And he mentioned... You know, yeah, Henestrosa went to Notre Dame, and that's going to be something that's publicized a lot over the next couple of weeks. But Henestrosa also played in the Chicago Blackhawks organization the same year that Mike Sullivan was there in that coaching capacity. So they have a relationship as well. And I think as we've seen since that conversation with Josh last Wednesday, all the way through the opening weekend, Vinny Henestrosa has been a name to watch and a name that a lot of people uh, have been bringing up as far as his performance. And also because when you play with Sidney Crosby, when you play with Brian Rust on the first line in the first couple of days of camp, when there is a vacancy there because of Jake Gensel's injury, you're going to get talked about. And so far, he he stepped up to the challenge. Yeah, he's looked good. It's... the. Josh gets off. He told us that little nugget in the very next day he was on the first line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's as if he saw it coming. Yeah. Um, so it's exactly what we, uh, not what we expected, but it's, we're getting what we were told about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my risers I want to mention, and it's somebody that was already going to make the NHL roster. He, he practically had his roster spot solidified, but he's been at least from reports and from what I've been told, a lot better than a lot of people expected, and that is Lars Eller in the opening week of camp. 
expected him to be an upgrade over all the three C options that the Penguins trotted out there last year, whether it be Carter or whether it was, you know, Teddy Bluger or Ryan Paling. You know, Lars Eller is a step above, I, I believe, those three, especially in that position you know, coming into this season. But so far, all reports indicate that he's played well in camp. He scored a couple of goals in last week's scrimmages. Uh, what have you saw from Lars Eller? Because to me, it seems like he is on an upward trajectory. Yeah, he was another name I had as a riser. It's, again, we, we know he's going to make the lineup. We know he's pretty much set in stone as the 3C. And guess what? It's looked a hell of a lot better than anybody expected. Not that, you know, not that, you know, training camp scrimmages are much to go off yeah. of. But he looks solid. He looks like he's able to take over uh, the position and play on um, both ends of the ice to a fantastic degree. He's gonna. He's picked up a couple of goals in those scrimmages. He's looked good defensively, and um, he should be the a very good option for that three C role that uh, was pretty nondescript last year. We'll yeah. at least have someone in there this year that. Um, Looks like they're fitting in well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to mention, you know, I, I mentioned those names. Forgot about Mikhail Granlund. Uh, he was also there at times last season for the Penguins at third line center. So, yeah, certainly an upgrade over them. Horat, what's another riser for you from the first weekend of camp? Uh, I think everyone's been really impressed with what Alex Nylander has brought to. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy that we're gonna dis- that we're going to be discussing until puck drops on opening night, I think, and probably thereafter. He's... He was the signing that they made without a GM. He was immediately from that point on, at least in my head, uh, above, not above everyone else, but pretty much above everyone else in terms of who's going to make this team in terms of camp battles and this, that, and the other. From the organizational standpoint, uh, Mike Sullivan must have been the one, the you know mastermind behind signing him to that contract. Uh, and you know what? He, he looked good in that preseason game. He looked like he's really fighting for that role. That's what he's here to do. He's here to make the NHL roster. Um, we will not get to see him tonight. I had a little gaffe on the, on the website. Ignore that, please. Um, <laughs> but he uh, is, but he, the everything else stands true. He's fighting for a role on this team. He's looking mm-hmm. to make the NHL roster and show what he's worth. He proved it last year, and he's so far proving it this year. And he's got a great sh- chance of notching a spot somewhere in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think Alex Nylander certainly showed on Sunday uh, the impact and what he can bring to the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, another scoring-type player. And that was the thing last year when he came up to the Penguins, is he came up, he provided that speed, he provided a little bit of a change of pace for the Penguins, a little bit of fresh blood for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he couldn't finish. He he couldn't finish on his opportunity. So to be able to go out there and finish and go to the front of the net uh, and do what he needs to do to get the Penguins the victory on Sunday is certainly a sign in a positive direction. Uh, The last one that I have, as far as risers, I do have a faller as well. Uh, But the last riser I have, and I kind of disrespected this guy heading into training camp and probably shouldn't have. You know, I'm going to eat dirt a little bit here. But uh, Redeem Zahorna, again, you know, I don't know if he's just a training camp hero because we heard that last year. And then he was placed on waivers and ended up starting the season in Calgary. And then he was placed on waivers again in Calgary and he went over to Toronto. But, you know, once again, looks good in the first weekend of training camp. We'll see if he's able to actually parlay that into one, staying on the Pittsburgh Penguins and two, getting some playing time with the Pittsburgh Penguins organization this season. Yeah, I had him on my list, too, but then I crossed him out because I remembered um, those last few seasons that. Yeah, he looks good at this time of year, but in reality, who doesn't look good in this time of year? Uh, but there's a lot to wade through, and I think 
Um, in terms of being one of the best players in that preseason game, he was playing against the very much not Columbus Blue Jackets on the first uh, on the first line and had ample opportunity to prove himself. And it's hard to not miss him. Hard, it's hard <laughs> to miss him. He's whenever it comes to he's very visible on the ice. Yeah, he's six six. It's hard to not notice him. I mean, he looks good. You're right. You're, you're definitely not wrong in that he looks good and is playing well above what people would have expected. Uh, I mean, you're right. I think I probably disrespected him too over this offseason when it comes to guys fighting for position. I was too busy looking at the newcomers like Vinny Henestrosa, Andreas Janssen, or even what Sam Poulin can do in his return. Um, who, by the way, is another riser that we don't need to get detailed into. Yeah, but, we'll be talking about Sam Poulin a lot this season, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. But uh, Redeem Zahorna, I think we just kind of pushed him to the back and said, you know, he's a name that's going to maybe fill in as an option down the line. He's not an immediate face. If he can keep up this kind of work, maybe he will become an immediate face. Uh, but we'll just see how it goes. There's just a lot to wade through for him. Yeah, I think part of that, too, is the fact that he's a returning player. Like, he, he's somebody that was on the Penguins and then left and then came back, whereas a lot of these other guys, they're new blood. You look at them and you're like, ooh, it's exciting. What are we going to get from these guys? Whereas Redeem Zahorna comes in and you know what you're getting in Redeem Zahorna. And again, you know, I looked at it and I said, you know, Vinny Henestrosa, the, the names you mentioned, I was like, oh yeah, those guys are on the organizational depth chart above Zahorna. And now you see that Zahorna probably is a, a first liner down at the AHL at least. Uh, and at most, he's a guy that could contribute in the bottom six. Now, I'm not sure if he's really in line to get a roster spot out of training camp. I would say no still at this point, but he's certainly trending in the right direction. And I, I think that once again, he's going to be in a position where he might not be just quite good enough to make the Penguins out of camp, but he might be good enough that once he's placed on waivers, another team says, yeah, we're going to take a shot on Redeem Zahorna. It happened last year. I'm not sure if it would happen again because it didn't work for Calgary. And then, of course, he, he went to Toronto and it didn't really work all that well for, for Toronto either. So I don't know if people around the league are going to see that and be like, no, we'll we'll leave him in Pittsburgh. But, I mean, I feel like he's right on that line of definitely good in the AHL. You know what you're getting a top-line player in the AHL. But where does he stand at the NHL level? That's the question with Redeem Zahorna, where he's not unquestionably a guy that needs to make your lineup opening night. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the chips fall with him. Like I said, he's he's looked good, but who hasn't? I guess we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. And we'll get to that right now. You know, at the 41-minute mark, we're going to talk about the followers. I only have one, and it's not that... This player has necessarily played poorly. It's just that this player hasn't reached the expectations that I have thrust upon him, which might be a little little too high, uh, considering the guy was a seventh-round pick. So my follower is Valtteri Pustinen. You know, one game at the NHL level last year, or two years ago, didn't play at the NHL level last year, played at the AHL level and led the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in points, but he was inconsistent. That was the thing. There were times where he did go on a couple scoreless droughts. And that cost him the opportunity to come up over a guy like, you know, a Philip Hollander or a guy like a Jonathan Gruden, who we saw for a couple games last year. So coming into camp this year, I wanted to see him do something to separate himself. He has it from what I've heard and from what I've seen. He hasn't played poorly at camp, but he hasn't done anything to separate himself from the pack. And the pack has only gotten larger this season uh, as a result of Kyle Dubas coming to Pittsburgh. Yeah, it, no one's necessarily played poor. No one's necessarily looked like, um, you know, bad, straight up bad, get off the roster type deal. No one's <laughs> looked like that, which is good. That's a step in the right direction. Um, I think 
you're right. It, it, when it comes to a guy like Valtteri Poussin, it's you expect more, and like you have such high expectations of what they're not when they're not reaching, and they're not being noticeable when it comes to forwards, especially when they're not being noticed. Uh, that's when it becomes an issue, and that's when it becomes a, all right, we're gonna need to just see more out of you. Um, I'm with you on that. I didn't think of him, and maybe that's exactly why it's hard to it's hard to pick out fallers whenever it comes to something like this. If you're not noticing him, you're not thinking of him. And then when you see him on the cut list, you go, that's right, he was here. Uh, he survived the first round. He'll play against tonight. He'll get another shot at things. Uh, my followers list, I have. I came up with two names, and they both fall into the same category. Of, I just haven't noticed them whenever I should be. Um, and I'll keep them quick, uh, and, and I will probably go a little more detail into one of them. Uh, Andreas Janssen, I just haven't noticed him. Noticed him. He's playing on the second line with Malkin during the scrimmages, but uh, that's been it. You know, it's... Uh, not enough from him whenever he's fighting for a role and you've had high expectations for him all summer. And then there's Ty Smith, who, you know, the expectations were, I don't want to say sky high for him because he had such a good run in the NHL last year and a great camp last year. Um, but nothing is, I don't want to say things haven't clicked, but maybe just things haven't been put together just yet for Ty Smith, I think. Um, he still has his opportunities to make the cut and has his chances to really strive uh it's just been a slow burn so far and that's not where he needs to be when he got beat out last year by P.O. Joseph and P.O. Joseph essentially has the role right now I would say when you go into a new camp your lineup the way it was last year those are the guys who have the role it's just a matter of everyone else taking them uh, mm-hmm. and Ty Smith doesn't look like he's able to take it quite yet he'll have a chance again tonight he's another one of those yeah. guys you can watch tonight figure it out yeah, you have a couple of interesting names out there tonight. Obviously, Ty Smith is one of them that you mentioned. Isaac Beliveau is a defenseman that we should keep an eye on going forward. Probably not somebody that you're going to see at the NHL level this season, but somebody that the Penguins are hoping that he can come up in the next couple of years and become one of those third-pairing defensemen, steady guys that can really make sure that you're getting offensive production from the back end, but also defensive production. This is a guy in Beliveau that has scored a lot of points in juniors and is making the jump to professional hockey. Uh, and like you mentioned, Mark Friedman, P.O. Joseph also in the roster tonight. So a lot of important performances to watch tonight for that third pairing, P.O., Friedman, uh, Smith. I agree with with both of yours, honestly. I mean, Janssen, him starting on the second line, there's there's some of these pairings, which, yes, Mike Sullivan, the first day of camp, and you tweeted it out. Do not read into these line pairings. Like, practically pleading with the fan base. Please don't. Like, please, I'm just I'm just doing something. Like, let me cook a little bit here, guys. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to dissect every little move that you make. You should know Absolutely. that by now. This is like year eight. Come on. Uh, but no. Henestroza on the first line, that seems like something that they might be testing, like, least to own. Janssen on the second line seems like renting a DVD from family video that you're going to return as soon as camp ends. Like that's the difference between those two. Like, and that might just be me, but that's the feeling that you get watching some of these guys and the way that they're being presented at camp. And again, Sullivan Dubas might have a different agenda, but it feels like least to own Henestroza rent to return in the video box in a day. Janssen on the second line. Yeah. Because when it comes to building the lines, I'm never shocked by a name I see alongside Sidney Crosby. We played legitimate NHL games with a fair amount of them with Dom Simone playing alongside Sidney Crosby. Not that that is the you know gold standard, but that's always what I go back to whenever I see a shocking name up there. Like Vinny Henestroza, I go, okay, well, Dom Simone wasn't great, but he worked for a little bit up there. So now anytime I see any other sort of name, I go, okay, let's see what it can do. There's got to be some sort of 
bonus and benefit to having that player on the first line. It's like Ditton Heinen last year. Um, when Jay Kensel went down for a couple games early in the season, it was, okay, Danton Heinen, this was before things hit the wall with him. It was, okay, he has a great shot and great potential to really work out with Sidney Crosby because, A, Sidney Crosby can pull a lot out of a player. Um, and Danton Heinen, at least at the time, proved to still have something in the tank uh, heading into those games. So it made sense. It worked. This time around, it is... He's this is Vinny Henestrosa looking to really earn a role. If he's playing with Sidney Crosby and Brian Russ, that's a good start and can blossom from there. And as for Andreas Janssen, it is just it just doesn't feel right. It really does feel like this is a training camp line. You've got the two there, Malkin and uh Riley Smith. I mean, from the second Riley Smith got here was there's our second line winger. <laughs> Next, yeah, flip um, the six to a nine when it comes to the numbers of Jason Zucker and Riley Smith, and there you go. Yeah, so it's rolling on from there, and we were just kind of waiting to see how the lineup filters to get their third uh, line made in there. Uh, hey, and hey, it might not even be Raquel. That third line of there's a full line that could just work at the NHL level of um, Lars Eller centering Ricard Raquel and Drew O'Connor. That's a line that's looked good. You want to talk about three risers? Those three. I mean, yeah. It's, Raquel rising shocker <laughs> but uh Eller and O'Connor working very well together on a th- on a third line and again like I said scrimmages pr- training camp practices but a chemistry is built there they're working well mm-hmm. don't be shocked to see Alex Nylander start on the second line man if he can continue putting things together yeah yeah certainly obviously it hasn't even been a calendar week since camp started but that's the reason we're talking about this early impressions first impressions can sometimes mean yeah. the difference between making a roster and being cut like yes you have what five more preseason games mm-hmm. but these veterans are going to start getting some playing time and you're going to have less and less of an opportunity to go out there and make an impression when there's this many players at camp when the the coaching staff is literally saying listen our our veterans are going to be ready regardless of what we do. So they're going to sit on the back burner, just start getting ready quietly, obviously have their have their time. But it's really these young guys early in camp. That's the time to make an impression. And some of these guys have, and some of these guys haven't. And and you mentioned Ty Smith, and that's another thing that I looked at it. I said, last year, people couldn't help themselves but talk yeah. about Ty Smith. This yeah. year... There's times you got to remind yourself, oh, yeah, Ty Smith's out there fighting for a roster spot right now. Like, I don't know if it's the shiny new toy effect with Mark Pesic over the opening weekend. Obviously, we talked about that, but I don't know, man. It feels like if Ty Smith's going to overturn or, you know, over, you know, jump over a guy like P.O. Joseph, particularly, uh, it feels like he's going to have to do a lot more. Put it this way, too. The cuts are going to come quickly. We are on Tuesday. There's a practice with two teams on tomorrow. <clears throat> There's another game. Uh, at home at PPG Paints Arena on Thursday. By Friday morning, there's going to be one team at practice. There would no longer be two teams. That's At least that's what's on the uh, schedule that was sent out. There will be one team by Friday. Mm-hmm. So the cuts are going to come quickly. And again, there's still a lot of AHL guys. There's still a lot of you know uh, junior league prospects here. But pretty quickly, that, that roster is going to get trimmed down to enough about 30 maybe by friday we're at 48 7 47 so and then they go to halifax which should be a good little team bonding experience for everybody i believe they're trying to get up there a little earlier to do so um but when they come back from that i would assume that's when things get real that's when we start to see 27 names and only a handful left to cut 
Yeah, to make things week. real simple. Yeah, to make things really simple. 47 players as we sit here today on the roster. Two weeks from today, 14 days, it's going to be down to 22. Yeah. Yes, they can hold 23, but as Kyle Dubas said, considering the roster and the salary cap situation, we're probably going to enter the season with 22. 20 for the starting roster and one extra forward, one extra defenseman. So from 47 to 22 in two weeks, there's going to be cuts, and it's going to come fast. So these players, they're running out of time to make an impression. So uh, we'll see what they're able to do over the next couple of weeks. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you.